Welcome back to Inside the Daily Press. I am Ross Furukawa, and I am here in the podcast studio with the editor, Matt Hall. What's up, Matt? Hey, how's it going? I am well. We are back, and uh, we have a very special podcast for you today. Uh, our new, newly elected, yeah, newly, newly appointed, elected, newly appointed city council member, Lana Negrete. Uh, Matt, how did she become a city council member? So uh, recently we had the surprise um, resignation slash retirement of council member Kevin McEwen. Just, you know, very, very abruptly announced that he was he was done with it um, and stepped down. And so that left a, an open seat on the council. And the, the process for that is council gets to take a stab at appointing somebody. And actually, we have a long history of appointing council folk, yeah. um, either because they've, you know, folks like Ben Allen or um, Bloom or other folks who may have been on city council when they got elected to other office, like that certainly happens. Sure. Or people um, retire or resign or, you know, occasionally, heaven forbid, they die in office, like that could happen, right? So sometimes you get yep. an unexpected vacancy. Yep. Um, actually happens here fairly frequently. And so the process is council makes a stab at appointing. If they were unable to appoint, you'd move to a special election. Um, but in this case, this case, they, they came to a consensus. Um, and relatively quickly for the for how these things sometimes go, right? right. You know, there's always rounds of voting, there's nominations, and it, it, it could take quite a while. And sometimes you could deadlock. But this was actually um, surprisingly efficient in, yeah. the, in the appointment process world. Well, Lana has been around for a long time, and she'll tell you all about where she's from and what she's done. Um, but we are happy to have her on council, and uh, this is a pretty cool interview. So, and by the way, I did it. <laughs> I've been—I haven't done the podcast in a while. So, hope you guys like it. Uh, here we go. Lana, how's it going? Great. <laughs> <laughs> Our new city council member here in Santa Monica. I've known Lana since I'm almost Too embarrassed late. to say how long. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about who you are, how you got here, history. I'm looking at stuff. you and I'm just thinking of the peer concerts I and know. all the fun. Right. Um, how did I get here? 1979, born and raised in Santa Monica to uh, Paul Chico Fernandez, who owns the music store and is a drummer. Famous um, drummer. Famous drummer, exactly. And my mom, Anne. Uh, actually, her name's Yasmin. Um, so first generation here, dad born in Canada. My mom is Trinidadian. Um, and so born and raised, went to the schools out here, went to Roosevelt, went to Lincoln, went to Samo, played basketball, played an instrument in middle school, didn't carry it through to high school, but danced. Um avidly participated in the community through ASB and, you know, um, afterwards, even when I was in college, still living in the city, working at um, either the mall or other spaces around the city. So you're a mall worker. I was a mall worker. I had two hot, jobs. Hot dog on a stick. Nope. Uh. I was Foot Locker and the <laughs> warehouse when they sold CDs. <laughs> yeah. Anything to support my shoe habit. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So you you grew up here. You worked here. Yeah. You recently you took over Santa Monica Music, yep, which is an institution here in town. Married, had two kids. I've raised my two stepdaughters. They are my two younger kids are going through the school system. My two stepdaughters went through the school system, public school system. So avidly involved in the school district, and then of course took over the family business. And so, 
I mentioned that part about the kids because that was a big part of it, watching what was happening in music education and really sure. wanting to tie my family business into that. So you're pretty also, you're pretty, you're also tied into um, the Ed Foundation. I see you at all their yes. stuff. You're fundraising for the Ed Foundation. And for those of you that don't know, the Ed Foundation is the fundraising arm of Santa Monica Schools. It's like our... It's like our 17th PTA, if you yeah. will. <laughs> so. so you've been involved and you've been a mom and you've been a business owner mm-hmm. and now you're a council member. I know. How did that happen? I don't know. How's <laughs> so you were appointed. I was appointed, yes. And, you know, you and I spoke a little bit before that whole process went down, but what what made you do it? Why, why did you want to be appointed as a city council member? I think anybody that knows me knows that I've gone by the nickname, the mini mayor of Santa Monica. Um, I've been involved in a lot of the political conversations um, and just really tapped into the city as a small business owner, as a parent, as an avid uh, supporter of our school district, um, and just all the issues around the city. Um, And so everyone's been asking me every time there was an election. I mean, I'm talking like seven years ago. You need to run. You need to run. And there just never was the right time. And this came up and I was approached, okay, there's an an appointment, you know, I know you're just recovering from, you know, the pandemic and everything that's happened to your store. It might not feel like the right time, but when is it? And I literally looked up, I have a bunch of quotes on my wall from um, different people, but there's a quote up there from Mel Robbins that says, start before you're ready, experience, nothing beats experience. Mm. And I just thought, it's like having kids, you're never quite ready, but you got to jump in there. So, um, I did, I went through the appointment process and there's a little bit of, it's nothing like running for a campaign. I'm not going to compare it to those that have been elected. Sure. There's definitely some campaigning that happens right before there. And I think if you saw the video that we posted, it was like a very emotional moment to hear my name being called. So. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've, you've had interest there. You haven't officially run, but it sounds like you also had a lot of local support of folks and friends and people that were encouraging to do this. Yeah. I mean, there was 34 applicants, so I I had support to get there. Um, Obviously, next year there'll be a campaign, so. Yeah. So you're going next year. I'm going. We're announcing that right now? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can't step in and half step on this one. That's right. Well, I do think they were looking for someone who was committed to going again. Of course. And, okay, great. Well, that's that's good news. Um, So how's it going? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is going. Talk about hit the ground running. I mean, I get in sworn in and there's, you know, an item on the floor and I got to make a vote after seven minutes of being there. So yeah, um, it moves fast, but there's, I've received a lot of support from council members as well as staff. And so I've been really lucky or I don't know, not lucky, but I've been seeing an, an, a positive side to that in terms of like getting all the information I need. Um, so that's been really nice. So do you feel like uh, your process of, like, you've had to learn a lot in a very short period of time? I'm still learning. And, you know, and I, you'll see that, I'm sure, as you, if you watch these things on the dais. You know, I mean, I've sat on boards and been a, a part of, um, you know, I, I've gone to Sacramento and D.C. And so legislative process is not, like, completely, you know, beyond me. But mm-hmm. this is different, right? So... Sometimes you're going to be stand corrected and there's a lot of asking a lot of questions before the meeting and preparing yourself. I mean, these agenda packets are a thousand to 2000 pages. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and you get them a week before. <clears throat> so I've seen the binders. 
Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> they're the biggest ones they make at Staples. Yes, yeah. I mean it's crazy. So there's a, a huge learning curve. Um, there's a lot to read, but I'm just diving in right now. It is a little overwhelming, but I can do it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like in any group setting, right? There's seven members of the council. Um, there's always group dynamics, and in our council, there's people that have been there for a long time, mm-hmm. and then people that just got there. So how does, how does your personality, we're picking up a little bit of it right now. I mean, yeah. you know, you always make me laugh, but, <laughs> but you know, how, how's your personality fitting in with that group dynamic? I mean, are you feeling like they're accepting and welcoming you in the, in the fold or, or how, how is that? I feel, you know what? I like to use analogies. It's a little like I slid in and just invited myself at the table and pulled up a chair, um, whether or not there was room, <laughs> I wedged myself in there. So there's definitely, you know, different personalities. There's different um, experience levels, like you mentioned. And I think where I come in is I like to compare, you know, book smart and street smart. It's like where maybe I don't have the experience of sitting on a dais or policy making. <clears throat> I have actual experience, like being a small business owner, sure. being a community member. You know, those are valuable things. And I, I mentioned that because I hope other people in the community feel like, you know, this is not beyond you. Like any, you should run if you if you care. Um, you will learn the process. So, I do feel that I bring a pragmatic approach to just voting independently with what I feel is fair and right for the city of Santa Monica, not based on my independent individual needs, but rather the needs of the city. And I hope to maintain my moral compass and composure and be able to vote on things that are in front of me um, with those things in mind. Yeah. Well, I, I do think it's incredibly valuable. I mean, we've talked about this before. It's incredibly valuable to, for somebody to be in city leadership who's actually had to cut a paycheck. Yeah. And who's actually had to make payroll or make the rent. You know, I mean, these small yeah. business owners are the lifeblood of our city in many ways. And, you know, seeing somebody up there who's had to go through that struggle, you know, that makes a difference. And I think, I think we as citizens want to see somebody who knows how to hustle and how to get up there. Yeah. Hustle is my middle name for sure. And pivot, right? Like oh. that's been the... the How many buzzwords can we drop? I know. Pivot, whatever. I mean, that's <laughs> true though. It's like, it makes sense. Like if I look at, you know, this is a much bigger budget <laughs> yeah. than I've ever seen. Yeah. But that's what makes it exciting. So it sounds like you're getting to know staff. It sounds like you're learning very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that a fairly unique approach or do you feel like this is kind of just part of the... I don't know. It just is what felt right to me. Like Definitely nobody hands you like this book, you know, you're sort of thrown in and you have to do like this meeting and that meeting and you got to watch this training video or whatever. Um, But there's definitely not like a, hi, welcome aboard. I mean, maybe when you're elected, there's more of that. I think when you're appointed, you like kind of get thrown in um, and it's like a sink. It's not really a sink or swim, but it's a little bit like we'll give you one floaty, but not the other one. (laughs) So you got to try to get to the edge of the pool. Get in the pool now. Yeah, but I'm feisty and I have no qualms uh, asking one too many questions. You know, I don't mind. So I'm like, I got to get the information and I'm going to ask all the questions I need to ask so that I can get the right information. Yeah. <coughs> well, that's good. So like as a as a lifelong resident here and business owner and mom, let's not forget the mom part. Yeah. Because you're really involved with the schools and, and I've, I've noticed that. Um, you know, there's, there's all of these kind of hot button issues and, and dividing issues here in town. Um, you know, how have you, how have you navigated through the citizens? Like, has your opinion changed about residents and the folks that are very active here in town since you become, since you've been appointed as a council member? Definitely. 
you know, I've seen some of these things. I try to stay away from, I'm not a fan of people who hide behind a keyboard and use social media to trash other people. I'm also just not a fan of people trashing people, whether it's journalists or whatever approach yeah. they're using. I mean, it's like basic what we teach our kids, right? Be right. kind. It also doesn't bring you to the table to have a constructive dialogue. And so nothing goes anywhere. So one thing I've definitely noticed, which, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're going to get thick skin is that a lot of people who aren't sitting up there doing these things have a lot of opinions. <clears throat> and honestly, <laughs> the first thing I want to say to them is like, well, why don't you, you know, run? There's a campaign in 2022. You seem to think you know how to do it. So come in here and run, uh, you know, but don't sit here and trash other people um, who are trying to do the right thing. So I've noticed that, you know, there's what, 93,000 people in Santa Monica. There's yep. probably a thousand people who are really involved in care. And then there's like a hundred people who are jerks. <laughs> I mean, I'm just keeping it real. Like yeah. they're saying mean things about people. I feel differently about people, but I would never trash someone or make someone feel bad or name call them um, or get on social media because what does that do? Like, yeah. oh, you got your megaphone out, which is your keyboard and you hid behind it and typed a bunch of stuff and created a dialogue between 12 people on Facebook. I mean, that's not really effective and it's not a good use of linguistic skills. And, and if you have something to say and you have a better approach, then bring that to the table, you know? But, yeah. So. Well, look, I mean, here at the Daily Press, we get lots of feedback. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and yeah, you know, it's like, not everybody likes what we do here. Not everybody right. agrees with you. And that's okay. That's part of the process. Right. But I, you know, I, I agree with you in that, you know, there's a level of vitriol and this entitlement to be just mean, just to be, yeah. you know, angry and, and mean that is prevalent. And I don't think it's just here. I think that's a nationwide thing. But we see it as a microcosm here in Santa Monica because we also really engage our citizens. Right? Yes. As, just as a general rule, we do lots of community feedback sessions and, you know, my, my email is in the paper every day. So people pick it up and they, yes. they feel free to type, and I think which that, is fine. And I think that's an important point. It's like the very people who are saying these things are sort of like running on the, um, on the fuel of like against the machine and, yeah. and making a change. And it's like, well, then you get regular people to stand up there to finally do it. And this is why people don't do it. I mean, A, first of all. It's $15,000 a year. It's a, you know, it's basically a volunteer job. So yeah. you have to be able to, you have to either be really flexible um, and able to make time for 30 plus hours a week um, or have a lot of money, right? And that's yeah. why policymakers tend to look a certain way up there. And so here we are, we have the opportunity to have diversity, but a lot of times I think people don't stand up there is because they don't want to be torn down by somebody who's got a mega horn and just wants to tear down every decision somebody makes or everything they say. Yeah. And so it's unfortunate that those people can't see that they're standing in their own way because if they're trying to make the change they're saying they're making, it's the rhetoric is really sounding like the past president we had. So Yeah. By the way, what's a mega horn? <laughs> I don't know. Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Do cheerleaders use it? I don't, I don't know. know. Is it megaphone is or is it megaphone? Oh, it's I megaphone. made it up. It's megaphone. Actually I'm gonna I'm going there. I'm going with mega horn. <laughs> I like mega horn. I'm going with that too. Sounds more obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> so you have, uh, so a couple things that are coming up, right? So, um, a lot of housing, you a lot of housing units are going to be built here. Mm -hmm. Um, development, mm -hmm. the great wall of Lincoln, <laughs> right? Yeah. Hotels are being redeveloped. Lots of big projects, expensive projects. Yes. Not going to pin you down on this, but where, where do you stand on development in Santa Monica? I'm glad you asked me. It's a loaded question. Cause I think it's yeah. a broader conversation into like affordable housing and, 
Yeah. You know, what does that really look like and who are we housing and, and who's going to benefit from that housing? And also where's public land? You know, before I came to council, I used to be like, why are we always building these things so close to the beach? And then you start to look at like where the city owns land and where they can negotiate these things. And we can't force people who have private land um, to build affordable housing where we might think it is belong. So there's this two waves of there's two ways to look at it. It's like some people are like, well, certain people don't deserve to live and have this view of the ocean, right? If and right. and that's, I I'm not, we don't I don't think that's the right way to look at it, right? But I also feel like then there's like, okay, are we building multi billion dollar condominiums and then being like, and here in exchange, we're gonna give you these affordable housing units. It's it's a money game. It's like, are we evening? Are we are we ever coming to a point where we're leveling the playing field? Because if we keep saying in exchange for this, we'll do this, then we're just continually adding more market rate, unaffordable housing. And then we're like, okay, and here's some more affordable housing. It just seems to keep adding more buildings in our city. And I want to see the sunset, but I also recognize it's not one side or the other. We do have an issue. There is a state mandate. We do have to build affordable housing. We're not the only ones. I think some of our neighboring cities are going to have to catch up soon they're gonna it's, it's gonna catch up to them i think in some ways we can look at santa monica as being progressive and being the leader um for doing this but we also maybe have to take a different approach and say okay let's scale back and look at how can we really reach uh, revamp and look at this exchange mechanism of if you're going to build this big building yeah. um, and all these unaffordable units what what are we really asking for in exchange? Is it just one affordable building adjacent to it, or is it more than that? So I also see, I also think that we shouldn't be allowing like empty land, like like li- land that people own and they just don't want to do anything with it and it's sitting there. Right. Um, and those are spaces where you know we could be having maybe affordable housing, affordable business units. Um, you know, the, some of the work that Community Corp is doing. So I think it's a broad discussion, and I don't think we can make broad you know paintbrush strokes across these issues because i think it's it's intricate but we definitely need to relook at it because well when you're looking at at building housing units right mm-hmm. like we're building the most we yeah. have we have a big bill that we have to fill um do you think that's fair i don't i mean just as a community member like i drive around i'm like i get sad it gives me anxiety like oh my god we're turning into mini manhattan um, everything is getting taller and then there's this negotiation of like the footprint going wider or taller and it doesn't seem like we win. And it's not about, you know, keeping everything old and how it looked from 1982. It's just about slowing it down a little bit and being smart about it. And also quite frankly, this whole idea of like who we're housing is it's, it's, it's a much broader conversation. It goes into like the money that we have for rehabilitation and programming and mental health, because, to say that we're building this affordable housing and it's going to take the people that are loitering in front of wherever off the street into those housing units is also, I feel, not quite what is going to happen, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Well, I mean, let do the math on it. It's an incredibly long shot right. for the homeless guy outside the building right. who we just greeted. Right. Um, and for him to get into one of these affordable units that's going in, you know, in on right. Second Street. Right. right. Like... What are the odds of that? Oh, and what are the odds of him staying in there? And yeah. so these are people, I'm not saying we don't need to serve these people, but like to, to lump those things in there, because a lot of people will be like, oh, well, then these people that are sitting right outside the building will now be inside the building and working at Target next week. And it's like, right. I mean, is that what's going to happen? Because I'm not <laughs> sure that that's what's going to happen. I know that I work with youth that are trying to apply for these apartments. And it's, 
not easy. It's right. not an easy process and we're helping. And so, you know, I just think we need to really like get some data. That's the other thing. Like I've been looking for like actual factual data on like what is the, for example, um, vacancy rate right now right. in apartments. We've been looking, we've been trying to do a story on that. Okay. Well, somebody needs to like literally go around for a week and hand count the vacancy rates yeah, and then, you know, and really separate that data from apartments to homes and, and then take a real serious look at also what's happening on the streets. Okay. What percentage of the homeless people that are here are from California and are suffering mental health issues or suffering uh, drug addiction issues actually want help and actually some of it, and I know people are going to get upset about this. Some, I'm out there speaking to people. It's a lifestyle choice. It's sure. I talked to lots of people who did not want help. Um, like a few of which that came from Colorado and said they couldn't weather the winters over there. And this is a great place to, you know, hang out by the beach and whatnot. So, you know, it's a very, very, very deep, broad conversation. And I don't think we just go, oh, it's a big conversation and step back from it. But I do think we need it to be broken up into digestible pieces so we can address each issue wholeheartedly and put funding into it as a city and then back that up with state funding so that, this problem isn't, com- you know, getting any worse. Cause right now it's affecting small business owners and people like me the most. Um, Cause a lot of people, like I told you before, read about the stuff that happens in the streets and they right. hear about it and it's so horrible. But when you're living it, it's a different thing, right? I'm washing sure. off fecal matter off my store multiple times a week. I got a guy who steals laundry out of our apartment building um, laundromat. We have to lock the door now. Somebody who sleeps behind my car. We had both our cars stolen. You know, when you're living it, That'd be a trifecta. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it is. <laughs> I can't tell you how many bikes I've had stolen. You know, we don't even own bikes anymore. We have one fold up in the house. The whole family uses because we're just we've had five bikes stolen. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I'm I, that crazy lady that chases people down and will steal my bike back while you're riding it. Just <laughs> FYI, <laughs> if anyone's listening, that's thinking you're not stealing steal my bike. Lana's folding bike. <laughs> Whatever you do, it's coming after you with a U lock. Um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, it, it is real. And if you're living in it, if you're living in the middle of, I mean, our office is at fifth and Colorado, we're right yeah. by OPCC. You saw our, yeah. our view and you know, the rent's not cheap and yeah. we're here and, and it's, we, we're in it every day too. So we see it. And I think you were talking a little bit earlier about how does that affect your view? So how does that affect your view as a council member? You know, it's, it's interesting because it's easy to be like angry and upset about it. And when you're just like, washing down piss and picking up needles on a Wednesday morning um, in front of your business or whatever, like finding out that your laundry was stolen. Um, But now being in a position to have broader dialogue with policymakers on even a county level, state level, and then Mm -hmm. within our city, it makes me feel more hopeful. I'm totally being glass half full right now because I think that's (laughs) the only way to be Um, that something can be done. I think you know, I'm up here. Sometimes I question myself. I'm like, uh, I have something really simple to say, but I think that's needed because I'm literally coming from the perspective of like, this happens to me yeah. and I, but yet I do see, and I understand there's deeper issues, but can I go around and find out what programs do we actually have in the city that are helping? What are they doing? What are the numbers? How much money are we spending? And then regroup and come back from that and say, okay, you know, we need to do A, B, and C, and then let's, you know, and then just start the work. I mean, it's not going to change overnight. It's right. a huge problem. So, well, we do spend a lot of money on homeless services and homeless we do. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, cleanup. You know, I'm I'm running around town all day, and I get up early in the morning and run down on the beach and 
see the same cast of characters down there. And and you're right. A lot of people, you know, if you talk to them, they're not from here. You're talking to them. Mm-hmm. I, I've certainly talked to a bunch. And, um, you know, we can't put a wall around Santa Monica, right? Yeah. And certainly Venice has gone through their, you know, <laughs> transformation. Yeah. yeah. And kind of half transformation back at this point. Um, but, you know, I, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. It's a tough it's crazy that Question. people will like buy a three million dollar house when there's that right in. Fr- I don't understand or five million dollar. Yeah. I mean, and that's a whole other issue of like corporations coming in and gobbling up houses, and you know they don't care. Um, but you know, look, we if you cr- if you look at the other side, I will say on a positive note for Santa Monica, our camping laws have protected us from this tent situation that we see yeah. across. You just cross over Sentinella, or you cross over Rose Avenue, um, and so luckily we don't have that issue because I think it's a lot harder. Yeah, um, for and sure. You see the whack-a-mole cleanup process that's happening in Venice, and it's literally like a game of whack-a-mole. Um, I talked to, I went down and walked Venice Beach with my husband, and one of the business owners said, "Well, me and these three other guys were young, and we're not afraid. And the minute they start popping back up, we just take it down ourselves. Like they've yeah. taken it upon themselves because they're destroying their windows, they're hurting their business, they're scaring tourists who are coming and don't feel safe to go in the stores because." we use this word homeless and it's, I think we have to come up with like different categorical terms because when I was growing up, there was the guy Pete on the corner that would sit on main street in Ashland and was a veteran and, you know, give him a coffee or money for coffee, whatever. It was totally different. Like today, I mean, just today I had a guy following me, calling me C-U-N-T yelling and screaming and he had something in his hand and it's like, it's sad to feel like, oh, just another day and so my way to work. Yeah, I remember Birdman. Everybody knew oh, Birdman. Oh, Birdman, right? yeah. Like he was around <laughs> doing so his Daffy Duck or whatever That's it was. That's right. You know, I don't know any of the folks here now. I, I mean, I, I, I don't see them on a, on a regular basis. But that, I mean, that's a good point. So, you know, you, you feel safe. So you're kind yeah. of badass. Well, I know Krav Maga. Yeah, so you can take care of yourself. I, like, wish people would try to approach me, <laughs> where some people hope they won't. I'm like, I wish somebody would try to approach me. So w- without the Krav Maga, <laughs> right? I don't know Krav Maga. <laughs> um, but should people feel safe? Should people feel safe in Santa Monica as they're walking around, going to the promenade, or coming to my office, or going to your store? Like Totally. You know? People it, should feel safe. I see kids... Right, like that come into the store. Just the the whole outdoor dining experience. I was at Tarn Roses the other night um, when we were at Shinwa on Main Street. Um, there was a guy who had a knife and was walking pa- back and forth where all the patrons were having dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, the cops came quickly, you know, took care of that situation. But people walked away from the restaurant, like, yeah. And I don't know if they ended up coming back, but it's hurting business. Whether or not we think it's a mental health issue is not the point. It's like, is that okay to be doing that? You can't be out here doing that. What are we doing to protect our small business owners? What are we doing to protect our community members? Like, I used to send my kids to go walk to the store by themselves or leave them at the promenade. Yeah, We used to do that when we were kids. And now I don't do the same thing anymore because it's not it's somebody who might be having a mental breakdown. And I don't know that it's just a homeless person like, oh, just a, you know, don't worry about them. It's like, no, I don't know. The other day there's a story about someone being, you know, punched in the face or whatever yeah. it is. So, well, I, I have two daughters and you know, I have that same nervousness. Like, you know, when do I send them out? When is it okay for them to just go down to main street or down to the promenade? Yeah. And do, you know, do I feel okay with that? They're fine. They're like, Oh, we're good. You know, we just stay away from the crazies or whatever. Yeah. But, I'm, I'm uncomfortable and, you know, because three days ago I saw the guy on Ocean Park Boulevard 
with a metal pipe banging, the, you know, right. banging it on the electrical box. And it's like, okay, this is not safe. Right. It's and it's scary. Safe. And, you know, it's it, then interestingly enough, it goes into a deeper conversation we don't have to get into. But, like, then you're having a conversation with your kids and you're starting to develop these optics of people, right? Yeah. So, like, now my 11-year-old's, like, you know, she likes to give everybody all her allowance money because she loves to hand out money to people. And then she's also scared. And so then you start to combine those two thought processes and then you create a dialogue that I don't want to create, but yeah. it's an issue. And so yeah. I want my kids to feel safe. So we're hiring a, well, you, <laughs> you're hiring a new, uh, you and your, fo- you and your committees, my colleagues, your colleagues, you guys are going to be, you guys are going to be hiring a new police chief. Mm-hmm. Um, seems to be about a four year it's like graduating college when you come to be the police chief. <laughs> yeah. It's the last about four years. Yeah. So what are you looking for? What do you, what do you want to see in that? Well, we're not, no, we hire the city manager, the city yeah. attorney and the city clerk. Right. But Sorry. Yes. So just to be clear, it's not yeah. us, but the city managers and that process. And as you know, we have a new city manager who's coming on, who I think will be a part of that process as well. Um, um, I hope, look, I hope that it's somebody who can, have some historical data, whether it means it's somebody who's coming up from within or mm-hmm. it's somebody who has done their homework and can recognize that there's national issues, there's local issues, and then there's issues within Santa Monica, right? And yeah. ours are very different. And I think we need to recognize that. I think there's a lot going on in the nation, but I think there's things that are applicable and are not applicable to our city. And I think we have our own blemishes and problems we need to get into when it comes to the police department, I think there was some morale issues within. Yep. And I think a lot of the stuff that came out um, in the OIR report and whatnot stemmed from what was going happening internally. And yeah. I like to use the analogy, it's like a cake. You know, everyone's looking at the frosting and the crumbs that are left over. We got to focus on the batter. Like, that's what we have to focus on. And that's where the police chief comes in. That's the batter. That's, let's start over. Let's develop what our main ingredients are. And build out from there and connect everybody so there's not these silos. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking for and I hope is able to achieve. But ultimately, like, the chief is presented to us, like, this is who we came up with. And I hope, I really am hopeful that they're utilizing, you know, PD, the POA, city manager, and outside personnel outside the city to select the best candidate. Got it. By the way, the OIR report that is the (laughs) after action report that happened after the riots, uh, earlier you're already getting into all this this like you know, city speak yeah poa is a police officers oh, yeah. sorry association. association that's their union <laughs> <laughs> for those of you that are like what is it what was that huh did she say opp what are you talking about <laughs> um okay so then so okay so on that thread Uh-oh. Uh, okay. sheriff Villanueva just walked the promenade because a bunch of business owners are complaining about people sleeping there they yeah. don't feel safe etc cetera, etc cetera. What do you think about that? Well, I think he's got to stop doing that. He can't come and showboat. I mean, I think Villanueva is running, he's, I don't know, got an election coming up, right? So he might have an ulterior motive to that. And we don't need to be part of that theatrical process. But um, it's not helping morale with our police officers. I kind of feel like that would just be like a bro code thing or whatever, like a cop. Like, why would you come into our... We're a municipal. I don't. I don't understand it. It's you know. Yeah, I Chief Seabrooks very delicately said that in her yeah. statement. But yeah, you know, I mean, you're basically saying this is a, a vote of no fo- uh, no, faith. no faith vote of yeah. of uh, how you guys are doing your job in downtown Santa Monica. And listen, there's people reaching out 
right, for this help. And I think instead, again, here we go back to that comment about like the loud complainers. It's like you can go above and beyond and reach out and get really loud and cause all this distraction. And all you're doing is taking away from the ability to actually solve something because now you're possibly, you know, upsetting the people who are here to do the job when you could have been creating a dialogue and sitting at the table with them and working towards a solution. So not to be naive, but I mean, come on, people, just let's talk. We don't have to, we can you thoughtfully debate and come up with ideas to move forward. I mean, look, there's empty, vacant buildings on the promenade. And, Lots I'm, of them. and I'm just going to say this and on Main Street, and I don't know yeah. what's going to happen after I say it, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's never stopped me before. There's a lot of people who own these buildings that are holding tight because they are the one percenters or whatever. They're comfortable and they can do that. And they're holding up for the market to change, possibly using their buildings as collateral for the bank. I don't know why they're doing it, but it's ruining the economy. It's making things worse. It's making it harder for the all the businesses neighboring these empty buildings to get back up on their feet. When there's an empty building next to my friend's restaurant on the promenade, like Casa Martin, you know, that's not good for him when that side of the promenade is dead. When I'm on Main Street and there's all these empty buildings, next to the businesses that are still in business, it's not good for them either. So we have to do something about that. Like that is not fair. And, and when, and by the way, people sleeping in corridors and doorways when they're closing, and we can't tell people to stay open later. And I know there's the issue of this round of COVID and whatnot, but having empty buildings creates a, a place for somebody to lay down and sleep. If it was a business that's open and they got the door open then they can't do that. So, right. That's, they have to admit where people have to see where they are a part of the problem and where they can be a part of the solution. It sounds like you're suggesting some sort of rent control for a commercial. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that an idea? Did I just put that in your mouth? I don't know. I think so. But I'm also suggesting that we you know, look at if you're going to have something sit vacant for this long, then you know, you'll be paying into whatever goes to support these other businesses that are being affected and impacted by it. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. The, the vacancies, the vacancies are rough. I mean, some of these businesses, you know, I, I look at the O'Briens on main street that's been there vacant for, I don't know how many years, that's way past friend. their that's tax write off. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's tough to see. And yeah. plus that was a great place. Yeah. Um, okay. So what do you think, what do you think are the, the biggest challenges facing Santa Monica? Oh my gosh! I mean, all the stuff we were just talking about. Yeah. Well, what's your what if you're to rank them in a top? What's your top three? What do you think? <sighs> just as general. Well, subjects. Gosh, it's okay. There's like two competing ones because they're in our face, which is the homeless crime issue, um, and the well, there's actually three, and then there's the development housing issue, mm-hmm. and then there's the recovery, the road to recovery. I mean, we keep saying small business, small business, but it is. Yeah. And I think we've been touting that in Santa Monica. Like, we love small business. Shop small. And then we don't. <laughs> and we don't really support our small businesses from a standpoint of, like, really lending out programs. And there's things that we could be doing, just as an example, um, through an RFP process within the city. Like, if the city's procuring, um, you know, like the stuff you see on the promenade when they have, like, those outdoor games and whatnot. Yeah. If we want to engage in, and I'm just using that as an example, um, in 
in accessing small business owners and being diverse, maybe we would extend the opportunity to give them a 20% front on the contract so that they don't have to take a loan, right? Because if I'm a small business and you order 8,000 shares for me, I'm like, yes, damn it, I don't have 8,000 shares, you know? (laughs) Now I got to go get an SBA loan and I got to do this and that. So there's ways to be creative and think outside the box. And I'm like really looking forward to like delving in with city staff and saying, hey, like, how can we work together as policymakers and staff to create diversity, to create support for our small businesses, which in turn will open up these doors. And as you open them, you scoot away the people who are, excuse me, you have to move your sleeping bag now and you can't poop yeah. on my door. Right. So maybe that'll help that process. And then maybe we'll give more jobs to people. And then it will in turn help people who are teetering on mental health issues who might end up homeless, right, for these issues. And then we'll just solve all of the world's problems. <laughs> just like that? A lot of for president. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Okay. So so it sounds like you don't think the city has done enough at this point so as a council or a city to support small businesses. You're a small business owner. I'm a small business owner. Yeah. Like, I mean, like we certainly pay more city uh, tax for our yes. business license than other cities. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's plus, 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 right? Yeah. So yes. what can we be doing better? Well, and I don't want to poop on the city because I think we're an amazing city. I wouldn't choose to live anywhere else. That's why I live here. Yeah. And so I'll start with that. And also to say that, I mean, we do have some programs, like there was some, some help to be had. Um, me sitting on council now, like I can't apply for that small business right. grant, by the way, you should apply. If you're a small business, there's a grant out there to help you. Um, I won't be applying, so you should do it. Um, <laughs> so we are doing things. I think the city's doing some wonderful things that we're not communicating because I am finding that out myself. Like mm. I'm that person a little bit that's going in there when I was like on PT and people would be like, you should do this. And we're like, we've been doing that for 10 years. Uh-huh. So I'm in there like, you should do this. And they're like, mm, we do do that. I'm like, well, where do you find it? Like if it's not slapping us in the face in a really cool and neat 20 second video on Instagram, like I don't know where it is. <laughs> so I'm tr- discussing with them the opportunity to like, let's revamp our marketing and how we rebrand the city and how we get information out. Yeah. And it's not about controlling the narrative, but rather disseminating the correct information and making it really accessible to everybody beyond those thousand people that are paying attention and know how to dig up agendas and items and search for links. So there's that. And I think we could be doing even more by engaging in roundtables with our small business owners mm. and landlords. I think commercial owners and small business owners and the city need to engage in thoughtful conversations about how we move forward. Cause it's really an, a, it's an effort from the city and these commercial property owners. Yeah, It really is. I mean, like we can't just put it all in the city cause we can't force anybody to do anything, Right. but we can create some policy if people don't want to come to the table. <laughs> so, so you're in the same kind of, uh, I mean, whatever I'll call it group of folks here in town that are highly involved. I know yes. the schools, you know, we're just a little different organizations, <laughs> you're in council and you know, we sit on lots of nonprofits. Yeah. So you have that kind of group of folks that are bought in and, and do, you know, 10% of the people doing 90% of the work. Exactly. We have all these other companies that support Santa Monica that are, you know, tech companies. They employ a lot of people here. A lot of people come in, they frequent our restaurants. I don't see them as involved. You know, they're not going to OPA no. meetings. They're not which is the Ocean Park Association? Yes, I know so what I that is. Um, I was telling everybody. <laughs> oh yeah. else. Um, but they're not doing they're not doing that work. It, as I'm using this as a huge g- yeah. generalizing, but how do we get those people involved? How do we get these new tech entrepreneurs, uh, the folks that are running the forty five hundred dollar one bedrooms in downtown Santa Monica, mm-hmm. 
you know, they're not going to raise a family there, but they're here. They're here now. They're going to be transient, you know, when they get a different job somewhere and they're going to be out of here. But it's a big population. And we seem to be building for just those people. Mm-hmm. We're only building small units here. So what do we do with that? How do we get them to be involved? Or do we care? I mean, that is the negotiation process, right? We're like, hey, you can do this, but just, you know, give us this building over here. Boom. And then end a relationship. And that's it. So to me, that's sort of like, I don't know, it's like getting married and then you're like, hi, I'm going to go work on the East Coast and you live over here and we'll have this long distance relationship. So instead, maybe part of the negotiation and listen, this might sound completely ridiculous, but seems pragmatic. Like, why don't we say there's also some other non-fiduciary or non-financial, non-logistic, whatever agreements that we would like to make between the two of us that's we would like for you to participate in whatever the chamber of commerce or this or see, right. you know, and I'm not just talking about donating to an entity that's supporting. Cause that's easy. They write a check, boom, and they've bought their way in somewhere. Um, I'm talking about like um, sweat equity. Yeah. How do we get these companies sit on a local nonprofit, sit board. on a local sit on the YMCA, right. you know, sit on the boys and girls club, board. check offs. Like yeah. you want to come to our beautiful, amazing city and like, you know, soak up some of our skyline. Well, it's not that easy. Cause you also have to participate in the community so that maybe at some point, if it's not the person you're making the deal with, the people that work here start to become a part of the community. And then we start to have less siloing happening in the community and rather like more of this collective thought process. Cause if you're not here raising a family and walking to school and yeah. you know what I mean? Like dining and you like know the person that owns the restaurant, like we we're talking about, you're not going to be as connected and driven to be solutions driven and recognize issues and work to, solve them if you're just here for five years and then you're like boom i'm out that's what's happening i think in venice in a lot of ways and it's starting mm-hmm. to happen here um and i think that's what a lot of the people are afraid they're missing here it's not just the buildings it's like ah what happened to the sense of community yeah and that's gonna happen it's you know we're a moving bustling hustling city but i think we can create without without sort of we can sort of twist people's arm and create some um, agreements and some negotiations with people that, I mean, how hard would that be? Like if you're going to build this building and dependent upon how large your project is, the more involved you're going to be, yeah. we will make you come to church. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, look, I know you have, well, you have to get to a council meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ready for so that? So excited. She's drinking Pellegrino like it's, uh, I am. like it's beer. Like, exactly. <laughs> um, um It'll be fun. Everybody tune in. Yeah, everybody <laughs> watch. Everybody ready. watch that council meeting. Um, <laughs> Probably okay. be seven hours. <laughs> what What do people need to know about you? Closing out. What do you, What do people need to know about what <sighs> What you are? People, you know, as a council member, people are going to try and put you in a camp, right? Oh, Some people don't. Will, right? I don't like to camp. Are you in a camp? <laughs> are you on what side? I mean, I like camping, but I also like hotels. <laughs> no, um, I don't want to pick sides. I'm not trying to pick gangs over here. I'm just running solo. I'm not like claiming any one thing. I'm just a regular person. Um, so I am just bringing pragmatic, a pragmatic approach. I feel like I'm approachable. I love a healthy debate debate. Um, I'm a person who likes to read a book that's opposite in what I believe in and talk to people who don't believe in what I believe in. Um, not to scream and yell at them or take to social media and trash them, but rather to engage in a dialogue to see like where they're standing from. Because I truly believe, as cheesy as this is, I tell my kids this all the time, <laughs> that people are all coming from a place of like they want to be a good person. They want what's right in, you know, in terms of being city council in the city, what's right and what's good for our city. And so if we can start from that place, we have some commonality, then we can go from there. 
So mm. that's how I see myself, and I hope people will approach me in the streets to say only nice things, <laughs> and we can have you know a conversation. Well, good luck with that only nice thing thing. <laughs> I'm working on <laughs> it. Only nice thing thing. Um, all right. Well, hey, thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. It's good to see your face. Haven't seen your face since no. the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> I know. So, uh, Just you know. my eyeballs. Yeah. Now we're back. Um, Lana Negrete, our new council member. Yay. All right. We're out. Thanks for joining us today on Inside the Daily Press. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere. Music for the Inside the Daily Press podcast is brought to you by The Brig Band. The Brig Band is an LA jam band that has been playing live since 2002. Regular members and guests have played professionally with everyone from Miles Davis, Herbie Hancock, and Stevie Wonder, to The Doors, Fishbone, and Steely Dan. To find out where and when you can hear them live, head to thebrigband.com.